Thank you for joining in for this City Lights Church podcast. We're a new church in the north of Brisbane, and you can find out more about us at www.citylights.community. We hope that this podcast encourages you in your journey of following Jesus. And the, But the reality is that I do fail because everyone fails, right? Um, I have failed in the past and I will fail again uh, because that is the human condition, which I really struggle with. And it's funny, and that's why it's funny that I'm actually talking about failure when it's something that I have to actually work through myself. I call myself a recovering perfectionist because I like to you know, think that I'm working on it, right? I'm working on it, guys. It's happening. But yeah, it's funny that failure is just a part of our lives, hey? And we can see that in, you know, some of our most iconic storylines and um, in movies, right? We see these people that are like failing and then they're like, get back up again. Anyone like movies? Yeah? Okay, cool. I'm a huge movie fan. Um, I'm a big sci-fi fan as well. Any sci-fi fans in the house? Yes, Tanya. Yes, so good. Yeah, so I'm kind of, um, I'm a bit of a, closet nerd or maybe not so closet nerd because a couple of weeks ago I turned up at church wearing um, Grogu earrings. Anyone know Star Wars, Grogu, The Mandalorian? It's a pretty good series. You should watch it. It's really good. Anyway, so these stories that we love, right, um, are filled with these people that struggle, that they fail and the storyline of redemption in movies is actually huge. Like we, we love to see those people that are struggling and they have this thing that they need to overcome and so they're fighting and they're overcoming it. They may fail, they may have setbacks, but then they triumph, right? And they're like, yeah, like I did it. Look at how much I overcame. And we love those storylines. And there's actually redemption arcs as well for like, you know, the evil characters who maybe aren't so evil and they've made some bad choices, but then they're like, nah, I'm, I'm going to be good. And then they suddenly like, you know, become good and then it's all like, oh, it's lovely, everything's good. Everyone loves everyone. Uh, so we have these in these stories, right, because it's just a part of our life. Failure, unfortunately, is just inevitable. And if it's inevitable, what really the question is, is not will we fail, but the question is what will we do when we fail? How do we respond? How do we react to failure? And in the Bible, we actually see a lot of different people and a lot of them fail. Like the Bible is filled with imperfect people who continually stuff up. Um, and I like kind of struggle with that. But like this here is a faith, right? Like Abraham. Abraham was impatient and he actually did something. He, he, he made his own plan instead of following God's plan. Moses, he was really insecure and he was angry. And it kept him from the promised land, the promise that God had given him. King David, this was a guy called the man after God's own heart. And he committed adultery and then murder to cover it up. Yikes, kind of a big deal. Um, and then his son, King Solomon, was called the wisest man in the world. And yet he was indulgent. He had too many wives, really, way too many. And then... Because of all of these wives, he brought worship of other gods into Israel. And actually, he, that resulted in the collapse of Israel itself. 
big stuff, big deals. But what actually separates the different characters is how they react to their failure. How they react to their failure. So today I'm going to talk about Peter. Peter in the New Testament who failed and how he recovered from his failure or how he responded to his failure. I'm just going to have a drink of water. Thank you. Thank you, Twinkie. Who knew? Talking makes you thirsty. All right. I'm just going to give that to you. Thank you. I feel like I'm going to knock it over. I've already hit the, hit the pulpit a couple of times, so I don't want to water everywhere. Okay, so where are we? Peter. Peter, Peter, Peter. Peter is a disciple of Jesus. He's in the New Testament. Um, he, he gets commissioned by Jesus. Jesus calls him out and he's like, you, come follow me. And so he's following Jesus. And he spends like about three years with Jesus. They're really close friends. Um, some would call them best friends. They're having a great time. He's in the inner circle. And yet... When he was challenged, when Peter was challenged, Peter denied knowing Jesus. Only when he was challenged like a little bit. Like it was like a couple of strangers that asked him about it. And Jesus even predicted that Peter would die for him. Oh, sorry, deny him. Peter, Jesus predicted that Peter would deny him. But he was like, nah, Jesus, I love you. I'm going to die for you. And Jesus was like, actually, no, you're not. Well, you are eventually, but you know, you're going to deny me three times. And oh, by the way, you're going to do this like the next morning, like after they're talking about it. They're at the Passover, right? And Jesus is like, everyone in this room, the 12 disciples, you're all going to abandon me like tomorrow morning. And they're like, no, Jesus, we love you. We won't abandon you. And then they do. (laughs) So we read in... uh, after Jesus is arrested, so he's in the Garden of the Gethsemane, right? And these, he comes and gets, gets arrested. And then all his disciples scatter. They're like, oh, it's a bit hard. I'm out. See ya. Like, this is, this is crazy. And we read in Luke 22:54. This is right after Jesus is arrested, right? And Peter follows him. So let's read. It'll come up on the screen. Luke 22:54. So they arrested him, being Jesus, and led him to the high priest's home, and Peter followed at a distance. The guards lit a fire in the middle of the courtyard and sat around it, and Peter joined them. A servant girl noticed him in the firelight and began staring at him. Finally, she said, this this man was one of Jesus' followers. Now remember, Jesus predicted that Peter would deny him three times. And so Peter replied and denied it. He said, woman. I don't even know him. That's one. After a while, someone else looked at him and said, you must be one of them. No, man, I am not, Peter retorted. That's two. About an hour later, someone else insisted, this must be one of them because he is a Galilean too. Peter said, man, I don't know what you were talking about. And that's three. And immediately, while he was still speaking, the rooster crowed. And at that moment, the Lord turned and looked at Peter Suddenly the words of the Lord flashed through Peter's mind. Before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny me three times that you even know me. And Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly. How did this happen? How did Peter, 
one of Jesus' closest friends, who'd been with him for so many years, suddenly go, nah, I don't even know him. Like, I don't even know him. To complete strangers. And not even people of like, you know, intimidating, like there were servant people. They weren't intimidating at all, but he was like, nah, I don't, I don't know him. How did this happen? It could be that Peter had a... Uh, a misconstrued idea about who the Messiah was going to be and what he was going to do. See, what we know is um, at that time, their idea of who, who the Messiah would be, who would come and restore Israel, they thought that he would come, they thought he would restore Israel, he would build his kingdom, but how they thought he would do that was very different to what Jesus had in mind. You see, they thought he was going to be this great military leader, because they had been in oppression for years under these different nations. And now they're under the Romans. And they're like, the Messiah is going to come and he's going to lead us against the Romans. And he's going to establish a physical kingdom on earth. And it's going to be great. And then Israel will be restored and it will be like at peace and everything. So this could have been the idea that Peter had when he heard that Jesus was the Messiah. He was like, oh, great. Cool. Jesus is going to take back our land. And he's going to come with power and might. He's going to be a great military leader. And I'm going to have glory because I'm like with him, right? And so maybe this is what he thought when he said, Jesus, I will die for you. Maybe he thought he would actually die on a battlefield in glory. And Jesus would be king over the earth or over, over Israel and push back the Romans. But so this is his expectations. This could have been his expectations of Jesus. And when the, those expectations weren't met, he was like, what's going on? He was so confused. Because despite knowing Jesus for so many years, he had a misconstrued idea about who Jesus was and what he would do. What he didn't realize was that Jesus would willingly go and be arrested by his enemies. What he didn't realize was Jesus would embrace the suffering of the cross because what do we know about crucifixion? It was a brutal death. It was super intense. It was only reserved for like the worst of the worst, the lowest of the low. And it had a social stigma of disgrace and shame. And so people who were crucified were considered horrible people, the worst of the worst. And Jews actually thought that they were cursed of God because they died in this manner. So Peter did not expect his king, his Messiah, to, to embrace this suffering, embrace being arrested. I mean, when we think about it, it seems crazy too. But this is, this is Jesus' plan, right? And so Peter's unmet expectations led to disappointment. And his disappointment led to his failure, led to his, his denying Jesus, denying that he knew him. How do you react when all of your expectations are wrong. How do you approach God in those times? Because it's not easy. And I have a bit of a story with that too. A couple of years ago, I had uh, one of my biggest failures, I would say, of my life. Maybe we'll fail bigger in the future. Who knows? Hopefully not. Um, so, so it was a couple of years ago. It was the start of the year. So, you know, like everyone, they're like, I, I was thinking about what my year was going to look like. I'm like, oh, God, you're going to do so much. It's going to be great. Here we go. And I was, um, so I was, in, I was in a job that I, I really loved and believed in. 
but I kind of felt that I was that I was done, that I had grown kind of enough, that I um, had been challenged enough, and I was like looking for my next. I knew that I was called to ministry in the church. I knew that I was called to uh, teach the word of God because that's the desire that God had put on my heart and um, it's been confirmed by some prophecies, which was cool. But I, so I had this lot of expectations about this, right? And God actually opened up this really cool opportunity um, to actually work at the Bible college that Andrew and I work at. And it was really cool. I was like, oh God, this is awesome. Yes, you are stepping me into my next. Like, this is great. You are fulfilling your promises. Praise God. But the thing was that it wasn't a full-time job. And so, you know, I needed some money to live. So I was looking for some other part-time options as well. And these two other possibilities came up. And I was like, this is excellent. Both of these are great, God. This is awesome because they're both ministry opportunities and they're both in line with what you've called me to do. I know that, Lord. So great, you're going to do one of these. This is awesome. Here we go. And so I put all of my expectation on these two jobs, one of them happening, right? And I had so much hope, so much expectation. And then uh, one Monday in uh, mid-Feb, I had a meeting and I got a text and another thing happened. None of them came to pass. And for me, like it may sound like, oh, it's just a job. But for me, I had so much expectation. I was like, God's moving me on. Praise the Lord. I've been waiting for this. Here we go. Stepping into the promises. Yes. Um, but, but it didn't happen. And I was so disappointed. I was like, God, what are you doing? I don't understand. I literally said to God, God, I don't understand what you're doing. This is too hard. I'm so disappointed. It's too disappointing. I don't want to do this anymore. And when I said I don't want to do this anymore, I wasn't actually just talking about the job. I wasn't talking about his plan for my life. I was actually talking about my faith in Jesus. I didn't want to do it anymore. I was like, God, this this is crazy. Like, it's too hard. I didn't want to do it. And I was actually shocked by my, that, by my response. Now I'm thinking about it and I'm like, man, I just kind of sounded like a toddler that like didn't get the store that they want, the toy that they wanted from the store and just like decided to chuck a hissy fit. Like, man, thinking back, I'm like, I can't believe I did that. But I was so disappointed. And my disappointment of my unmet expectations led to my failure. Now, luckily, I had um, some great friends around me, friends of faith. And they encouraged me, you know, just to process this and sit with God in the midst of this. Sit with God in in my disappointment, in my confusion. And so I did. And a week later, I mean, I was still in the unknown. I still had no idea what God was doing. Um, And I was still emotionally kind of like, oh, man, I have no idea. Like, I'm so kind of numb. I'm so confused. But I um, I was at a worship service and... The song Waymaker came on. Who knows Waymaker? It's a great song. Yes. So the chorus goes, You are Waymaker, Miracle Worker, Promise Keeper, Light in the Darkness. My God, that is who you are. And as I stood there in that worship service, I was like, God, I still have no idea. I'm still really disappointed. Like, but you know what? You are the Waymaker and you are the Promise Keeper. And I know what you've promised me. And even if it didn't happen how I expected it, it will happen because you'll make a way. And so I declared that 
and said, I trust him. I trust him with my plans, with his plans, not my plans. The next day, Thursday, that was a Wednesday, Thursday. The next day, I get called into my boss's office. And they're like, hey, uh, we want to offer you a part-time position so that you can take that opportunity in, um, in CMC, in Bible college, and you can fulfill the call of God in your life. I was like, what? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> that wasn't even on the table of a possibility. It was like, nah, it's full-time or nothing. And I was like, oh my gosh, what is happening? Like, it wasn't my plan. And I'm like, I'm a perfectionist, and so I think that like my plans are really good. And it could, because I make really great plans and they're really thought out. And I'm like, God, just do my plan. It's like a really good plan. <laughs> Come on. But he doesn't because he has his own plans. And what he had planned was actually better than I could ever think or imagine. He made a way when I thought there was no way. But I still had to wrestle with my failure and wrestle with those emotions. So how do we respond when we fail? If we, look at, if we look back to Peter, he responded with repentance. In uh, verse 62, it says he wept bitterly. Now, he, he could have wept with shame and, um, or repentance, probably a mixture of both. But we see in the rest of the story, um, as when Jesus rises again, Peter's right there. He's one of the first to go to the tomb to look and see if Jesus has risen. Then Jesus turns up on a shore and they're out in a boat and he jumps out of the boat to run to Jesus. We see him running toward Jesus, not away from him. And this is the deciding factor in how we respond to failure and how we move through it. What is repentance? Repentance is I'm going one way and then I stop. And I turn around and I go the complete other direction. It's a 180 turn. It's going, okay, I was going this way, but you know what? I'm going to go this way instead. See, Peter, he could have run and hide, hid from Jesus. He could have run away from the disciples and gone, oh, you know what? I failed so badly. I can't. I can't go to him. But no, he chose to run toward him. He chose to reconnect with Jesus. Because sometimes our failure can separate us from God, can separate us from God. But repentance reconnects us with God. Repentance reconnects us with God. And that's part of my story as well. That's what I did in that moment. I was like shocked that I, you know, that I just gave up my faith so easily, so willingly. And then I was like, oh, you know what, God, like, I mean, I still feel horrible, but you are the only one who has keys to life itself. I choose to pursue you even if I have no idea what's going on, even if I, I don't have my great plans that are happening. I choose to choose you. I go towards you instead of away from you because I know that that is better than life without him. And the thing that he did in me and Peter, he wants to do in you. Because Jesus didn't leave Peter in his mess He actually restored him. And so we read in John 21, John 21, verse 15 to 19. So Jesus has risen from the dead and he's just having, having breakfast with his disciples, just chilling on the beach. And so it says in uh, verse 15, after breakfast, Jesus asked Simon Peter, so that's Peter, his, his name was 
Simon before Jesus changed it. It says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Meaning the other disciples. And he's like, yes, Lord. He replied, you know that I love you. That's one. Then feed my lands, Jesus told him. Jesus repeated the question, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you, he says. And that's number two. Then take care of my sheep, Jesus says. A third time he asked, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked this question a third time. He said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And that's three. And he said, Jesus said, feed my sheep. Three times he asked if he loved him. Peter denied him three times and Jesus restored him three times. He restored him completely to relationship with him. And not only that, he restored him to his purpose. He commissioned him again and said, feed my sheep, tend my sheep, feed my lambs. He commissioned him into his purpose, echoing his first call to him when he said, Peter, come, follow me, I will make you fishers of men. How incredible. He restores him to relationship. He restores him to his purpose. It's a brand new beginning for Peter. And that's exactly what grace does. That's what grace is. It's an undeserved, as Andrew was talking about, it's an undeserved favor. Peter didn't deserve that, but he got it anyway because Jesus is just that good. He's just that good. You see, your failure does not disqualify you from the grace of God. Failure does not disqualify you from the grace of God. My failure did not disqualify me from the grace of God. God could have gone, you know what, you kind of abandoned me, I'm, I'm out. But he didn't because he's so good. I rejected God, but he didn't reject me. I failed him, but he didn't fail me because he is a gracious and loving God and he longs to redeem us. He longs to bring us back into relationship with him and restore us to full health, restore us to relationship with him. Your failure does not disqualify you from the grace of God. And if I could have um, the worship team back up. I want to allow some time for us to respond to this today. Um, and you may not have been in a church service where this is done before, but what I actually want to do is open this space up at the front uh, for people to come and receive prayer. And there's a couple of people that I want to invite to come out. Maybe you're, um, you're here and something that I have said is really like pounding on your heart and resonating with you. I invite you to come out and receive prayer. Now, I know this might be a little bit weird. It might be a bit awkward to walk out in front of people. It is. It's a brave thing to do. But know that each and every one of us is backing you. If you come out the front to receive from God, everyone's backing you. And really what it is, is just you going, God, I need your help. And I'm going to acknowledge that. And we want to partner with you and stand with you and see the transformation of God come to your life. And so there's a couple of people that I want to call out. If you want to get rid of the weight of your past, I invite you to come out. If you want to turn and repent to Jesus and accept the grace of God for your life, I encourage you to come to the front. And even as I was praying um, 
for, for this, for you. I, I saw that people had a mountain in their heart. There's some people here with mountains in their hearts and you can't go around it. You can't go over it. You can't seem to move it. God wants to move that mountain today. He wants to move that in your heart, in your life. Maybe you can't do it alone, but you can do it with Him because He is the way maker. And so can I invite everyone to stand? So I invite you, if you have a mountain in your heart that you want moved, if you want to receive the grace of God today, if you want to bring freedom, if you want freedom in your life from the weight of your past, I encourage you to come at the front and know that we are backing you. We are here. We are for you. And we just want to pray with you and see some things shift in your life. So we're going to sing again. I encourage everyone to sing with us. And uh, yeah, if that's you, please come at the front and we're going to pray with you. Thank you for listening. You can find out more about City Lights Church at www.citylights.community.